of you are disappointingly not surprised that this is the uh, character that I'm speaking on this morning. Uh, I must be honest, I did have a little Miss Naughty Pencil. I still got it, actually, a little Miss Naughty Pencil case, so maybe it was always destined this way. Um, this morning, uh, I'm really excited about sharing with you guys. I've been looking forward to it for a while. And um, for those of you who don't know me, as Leon said, my name is Laura. I'm married to Andy, he's the youth pastor here. Uh, I live in Hales Owen, in a house with my dog and with Beth, who is our lodger. Uh, that is not the order of importance ranking in our household. Um, but Beth's great to live with. And uh, Beth knows that I love dogs. I love dogs. And um, she went away a couple of weeks ago. And every day during that week, she sent me a picture. So I had a difficult week at work. And she sent me a picture every day of dogs. And... Uh, I'm easily pleased. And this, these pictures um, are called uh, dog shaming pictures. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know what dog shaming is, or those of you who are cat people, there is cat shaming, but we're not really talking about cats this morning. Um, these pictures are where your dog has like a naughty trait. It does something that it shouldn't do. And so you take a picture of your dog in the middle of that thing, and then you put up a little sign next to it saying what its naughty trait is. So I've brought some with me. So this one here... Uh, is our first dog shaming picture. I eat pillows. Uh, the next one, this one says, I killed the sofa for you, you're welcome. Uh, and that behind it is what is remaining of their sofa. Uh, the next picture, it says, I break into the pantry and hide potatoes around the house. Our next dog, I have eaten two Bibles in the last week. I'm actually missing part of James from my Bible for that exact reason. Uh, next picture. Uh, I eat the wall instead of my food. Next one. This is one of my favourites. You just need to think it through. Uh, I poo at the bottom of the kids' slide. What a win. Everyone's a winner. And then this final one. This is our dog. I steal underwear when no one is looking. It creates some incredibly awkward moments when the dog appears in the doorway with someone's underwear in his mouth. He has a partiality for socks, but we'll, we'll take whatever's going, to be honest. Um, you know, it's a funny thing with uh, those dogs, because I, would, I really hesitate to call my dog naughty. Uh, I will use lots of other descriptive words. I might use clever, or sneaky, or lively, or full of personality, or creative. What I don't want to do is use the word naughty, because the word naughty kind of has a connotation with it that you don't really like. But if we're honest, what this is, is a dog doing something that we all know it shouldn't be doing. And I do feel for those dogs, because um, particularly if you think about the dog that's eaten the sofa, that's a big naughty, isn't it? Like, that, that's something that everyone's going to know about. As soon as someone walks into that house and they see the sofa looking in that state, everyone will know the dog did that. And it's his fault. Um, the dog who hides potatoes around the house can maybe get away with his naughty side a little bit more. It's, it's endearing and it's sweet. And maybe you only know about it if you happen to sit on a potato. Um, but dogs aren't great at hiding what they do wrong. That's, that's the good thing. But we are so good at hiding the stuff that we get wrong. And um, some of us this morning, I believe, uh, some of the stuff we get wrong is sofa-sized. And it's stuff that is actually very difficult to hide and a lot of people probably know about. But for some of us this morning, it would be more potato-sized. And it will be stuff that not many people know about, and you think you can get away with it. And what I want to say this morning, while I hit myself in the face with the microphone, is that I don't want this morning anybody to be focusing on anybody else's sofa-sized problems when you have potato-sized problems of your own. 
This morning, I'm going to be talking about being vulnerable and my own vulnerability, some of my own little Miss Naughty traits. Um, and the reason I'm doing that isn't because I haven't got any friends to tell, so I'm just going to tell you guys. It's because I want you guys to know that if you're new this morning, if you've not been to church before, then we come to church because we know we're not perfect, because we know that we're in need of something, not because we think we are. And the other thing is that in my heart of being vulnerable with you, I hope that you might be able to be honest and vulnerable with yourself. And I can stand up here and talk about this stuff because I'm in a relationship with Jesus and I know that this stuff that I get wrong and I mess up, that isn't all there is to me. It's a part of my journey, but it's not the end. So this morning, as we spend time together, um, I really hope you find it helpful and I hope you find it freeing as we talk about our naughty bits together. Um, a little while ago, um, I went and saw a musical with Andy, my husband. And there isn't uh, loads that I remember about this musical, um, not loads of characters that I remember, but there were two characters that I remembered very well. And they were very cute. Um, they were very small and fuzzy. And uh, these characters were called the Bad Idea Bears. Now, um, the idea of the Bad Idea Bears is that they turn up when you are going to make a decision and try and persuade you to do the thing that you know is the worst idea possible. So one example during this play um, was that there was a character who had no money left. He'd run out of money. And um, he was going to a friend's party, so he went and bought um, one single can of beer. Um, he got to the shop and got to the till, and the Bad Idea Bears caught his attention. And I said, do you know, look, over there, there's a can, not just one can, but ten cans for cheaper. Now, if you're really going to be wise with your money, what you're going to do is buy the multi-pack, because in the long term, you're saving money. And this guy's, you're right, that's such a good idea. So he puts his one can down and goes and buys his multi-pack of ten um, and gets through the whole lot. With the help of bad idea bears, he drinks his way through the cans, which ends up being completely horrendous and setting up the rest of the story. And I can't help but think, in my life, not necessarily in that context, but I have bad idea bears. I have these little bears that follow me around, telling me things that are good ideas to do that I know will only end badly. And uh, this morning, whether we call those bad idea bears or little miss naughty moments, I believe we all have them. I think they look different for different people, but we all have certain things that are maybe part of our personality, part of our character trait, and often it will be a similar trait that we follow out each time. But little things that each of us have that we just know is not the best thing for us to be doing. And I'm going to share some of my little Miss Naughties with you this morning uh, in the hope uh, that you would maybe go, oh, yeah, do you know what? I do that. Or would you just be able to be honest with yourselves? So one of these things um, is a shopping habit. I would say, I struggle to keep a healthy shopping habit. Um, my husband pointed this out to me, and I realized he might have a point. Um, and, but now I put things in place, because um, I know in my past, I have bought clothes when I've not needed them, and bought clothes when I've not had the money to buy them. Uh, and so now I have a little accountability thing, where if I'm going to go shopping, and I'm going to buy something, I try and text Andy first. Yesterday I text him after, not quite the right way around. Um, but I try and text Andy before I buy something as a kind of an accountability thing. The other thing, my other, another little Miss Naughty of mine is blaming people for stuff. I'm really good at it. I am, it's never my fault. Never. Um, it hit home as to how much this is a problem one day when I was, uh, I think it was in my kitchen and I broke something, I smashed something or I spilt something. My first thought, whose fault was that? Who put that there? Starting to get angry. 
I realised I'd been at home on my own all day. It was me, and I had absolutely no defence. And I think that moment highlighted to me that actually this is something that I do a lot. Um, other stuff uh, that I do is I'm incredibly stubborn. Alison and Leon did a brilliant job of Mr and Mrs Stubborn last week, but I was sat over here and I actually heard myself thinking, I'm not stubborn, I just know I'm right. <laughs> who thinks that? Me, I think that, that's who. Um, but at the risk of sounding like my mother, um, she, she will say um, that actually sometimes our greatest weaknesses are partnered with our greatest strengths. That often the things we're brilliant at then cause us uh, problems at the other end of the spectrum where there's maybe stuff that is fallout of our strengths. So, for example, uh, a lot of people would describe me as creative, which is great, and I love being creative. But the downside of that is it has a subheading of disorganized and messy and scatty and all these different things that come along with it. Um, another one is that I love meeting people. I love getting to know people, spending time with people. People energize me. The other side of that is that it can turn into people-pleasing. It can matter what people think of me. I love people saying nice things about me. Um, but the thing that I've become aware that I have to watch, and if you're that kind of person, I have to, you have to really be careful, is that if you're married, and your marriage is in a difficult position, then someone comes along over here telling you all the nice things you want to hear, flattering you, then actually you can find yourself in really hot water. And I think you just need to be really aware of who you are and the things that you're brilliant at. And then the flip side of that might be the little Miss Naughty bits that we have to really get our heads around to watch who we are and how we develop. And these things are different sizes for different people. Like I said before, some of these things are sofa-sized, and it's not something you can hide, and it feels like everybody knows about. And some of these things are potato-sized and can be hidden away until someone accidentally discovers it sometime. But whatever it is, and even if you think, I'm not sure that this is that big a deal, I want to ask you this question. Does that trait push you further towards who you want to become? And if you're a Christian this morning and you follow Jesus, I want to add on to that. Does that push you towards being more like the person of Jesus? Because if it doesn't, that stuff doesn't belong in our lives. I think the thing uh, with the little Miss Naughty stuff, the thing that we get wrong, the thing that we really have to watch, if, if I'm honest, is around identity. I think that this stuff, the stuff that we get wrong, the mess ups, and we do it all the time, that stuff can become our identity if we're not careful. But I just want to speak over you this morning that you are not little Miss Naughty. This is not who you are. As much as you may think you look like this or I look like this, this is not who we are. You see, little Miss Naughty, I don't know whether you can see, she's cardboard. She's a 2D character. This is all that she will ever be. She's named herself and she lives in that. And this is her story. But for us, we are so much more than that. We are 3D. Praise God. We are 3D. And you know what? Alongside that comes all sorts of things comes experiences that we've been through that cause us to act in a certain way or be hurt in certain places. Words that are spoken over us that make it really difficult to control our character sometimes. We are 3D. And the good thing about this is that little Miss Naughty, well, that's her whole story, that's just the start of ours. Your little Miss Naughty, whatever that is, is just the start of your story. And God wants to take that and do something incredible with it, which is what we're going to be talking about later on this morning. Um, I'm going to be talking about the character of Rahab this morning, um, and for those of you who don't know Rahab or aren't familiar with the story, it comes really early on in the Bible in a book called Joshua, and um, 
Rahab lived in a city called Jericho. And uh, Rahab was actually a prostitute, hence the little Miss Naughty. And um, she lived there and did her thing there and lived in her house there. And everyone in Jericho will have known who she was and what she was up to. They will have known all about her. Um, And I don't know what led her into that lifestyle. I don't know what got her into that position, but something did. And that is the position that she found herself in. Now, where we join the story, um, there is a nation of people called the Israelites. Now, if you know the story of Moses with the plagues and the parting of the sea and the Pharaoh, and they come through the sea, uh, the Israelites come through the sea, and they wander around the desert for like 40 years. And then Joshua steps up and starts leading that nation. And God starts to say, okay... It's time for a fresh start. It's time for something new. I'm I'm opening a new chapter here. Um, They begin to start to settle. And so what happens is they approach the city of Jericho. They come for the first time. And uh, the way that Joshua decides to deal with this is that he sends two spies into Jericho. And uh, they go to Rahab's house. We don't ask why. They were just there. And um, they, they actually hide there. And Rahab has this incredible moment where she has to make a decision. Because what happens is the king finds out that these spies have entered the city. He finds out that they've gone to Rahab's house. They come round her house, knock on the door, and she has this moment stood in front of them, deciding where her future lies. She has this moment where she chooses. Will I stick with what's going on now? Will I stick with my identity in this moment? Or is my future somewhere else? And she chooses somewhere else. So we are going to join uh, Rahab in Joshua 2, verse 4. And I'll read this to you. It's going to go down to verse 14. It'll be on the screens as well if you want to follow. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier. So this is to the guards. Uh, They were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I didn't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she'd laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did at Sion, at Sion, sorry, and Og, and the two Amorite kings of the east of the River Jordan, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live, along with my father and my mother's mother, just the one, and my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. But if you, uh, if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. She has this moment where she has to choose where her future lies. Will she choose to kind of side with these guys or stick with what she's got? And it's an interesting one because when I look at this, for me what I see is a woman who uh, has a very mixed up past. Even the process of going through change isn't totally pure. She's just doing what's best for her own interest in this situation. But she has this vision of who God is. And when she understands who God is, she understands that her future can be different. 
So I want to talk this morning about the fresh start, about the next chapter, about the next stage. But I think there's some things that we have to deal with from the last chapter first. And one of those things is acknowledging what this stuff is for us, what this little Miss Naughty stuff is. And I believe a part of that is taking ownership for our part in that. You see, I think that we can often blame others or think it's not our fault that we behave in a certain way or have a certain characteristic or do a certain thing. But I think we have to be honest with ourselves and say, do you know what? No one makes you make the choices that you do. You know, um, when I stand in a shop and I know I've not got enough money in my bank account, but I buy that dress anyway... That's my fault. I did that. That time when I got angry and I absolutely lost it, or that time when I said behind someone's back something that I really shouldn't have said, I did that. I mean, we, I think we can say, oh, but they, they got me mad. They put me in a mood. They did this to me. But they didn't make you do anything. They didn't physically pick you up and put you somewhere. They didn't put your arm behind your back until they made you hit you in, them in the face. Like, we, we are not made to do anything. Do you know what? We're 3D. We've been through experiences, had words spoken over us that maybe lean us towards being broken and hurt by stuff. But no one makes you make the choices that we do. And so the first thing we have to do is take ownership over the mistakes we've made and maybe say sorry where we need to do that. The second thing I think we need to know is that we are so much more than this. This little Miss Naughty is not all of who you are. It may be uh, an experience on your journey. It may be some baggage that you're carrying, something that you're going through, but this is not you. You see, Rahab came face, understood what the face of God was. She understood that God was supreme. She understood who, who and what God was about. And in that, she realized that the situation she was in in that moment, her past experiences, weren't necessarily her future. And that's the thing I really want us to understand this morning. Um, Sometimes uh, I run. Um, I don't necessarily like running. Um, I do it because I can eat more and I feel better about myself if I run, if if I'm honest. They're my motivations. Um, I love food. Um, And I actually did something that I would advise everybody against the other day. I googled, am I a runner or a jogger? And I didn't enjoy the result I got. I like to say that I run. According to Google, I very much jog. So, um, I guess I should say, I went out for a jog the other day. It just doesn't sound as impressive. Um, And one of the things I do when I jog is uh, I listen to talks and podcasts and worship music. I love spending time with God that way. And um, I listened to a talk, and I can't even really remember what it was about that much. Um, There was one line in this talk that literally stopped me in my tracks. It stopped me jogging. And it was a line that was talking about kind of stuff we'd been through and who we are and maybe negative sort of emotions and stuff like that. And this guy said, at some point you have to realize it's not cute anymore. It's not cute anymore. And I think in that moment, I realized that there's certain things that I do, certain personality traits that I have, that I'm very good at making excuses for. Um... I somehow think I can get away with it. Maybe because it's linked to something that I'm good at and my my messiness and my disorganization. But as soon as it starts to be letting someone down, you can't excuse that. There's stuff that we do that we excuse. Maybe because we're the funny guy, we can make jokes. And maybe actually sometimes they're hurtful jokes, but because they're funny, it's okay. We can't make excuses for our behavior. There comes a point when we have to choose to grow up. We have to choose to be mature in who we are. 
There's certain things for me in this last year that I think, do you know what? That is not naturally who I am. I'm not naturally good in those areas, but that does not mean that I can let those areas of who I am fall apart and go to rack and ruin because I'm good at this bit. And that be my excuse. We need to stop making excuses for who we are and choose if we're going to be mature. Um, in the book of James, it says something that really challenged me. And this is from James 2, verse 24 and 26. And it says this. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. You know, people see your relationship with God through what you do. I really wish that people saw my intentions, but people see my actions. And that isn't to say I get it right all the time. You know I don't. I've told you I really don't. But we need to work on our actions and not just our intentions. We need to try and work at being people who, who do get stuff right. We, we will get stuff wrong. Sure we will. But we need to be quick to apologize when we don't get things right. When this stuff crops up, when this little miss naughty stuff, whether it be pride or vanity or an inability to not buy clothes, whatever it is, we need to be people who say, do you know what? I choose more. I choose more than this. Uh, in 1 John 2, uh, verses 5 and 6, it says something else. And if you don't follow Jesus here this morning, you're actually off the hook for this bit, so you can just look smugly at everyone else. Um, it says in 1 John 2, verse 5, but those, bleh, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And you know what? That may mean changing what we're known for. It might mean that it's, and it's not a bad thing, any of this. It might mean that you're known as the bubbly person, which is brilliant. That's great. It might mean that you're known as the funny person. It might mean you're known as the person who goes from relationship to relationship to relationship. Whatever our primary trait is, our goal, our primary trait is to be like Jesus. And what does that do to our identity? If the thing that you cling to most for who you are is kind of put down the rankings a little, and actually what's put at the top is that person, oh, aren't they just like Jesus? That would be nice. <laughs> doesn't happen that often to me, but I'm hoping one day it might. Um, in, those, in those moments, in those moments, can we give up who we are to be identified in Jesus? And that isn't to say that anything else is bad. It isn't to say that God wants to take away all your fun and make you someone really boring. That isn't it. God wants to take you, the best version of you, take away all of this stuff, brighten up the rest, and make you shine. He wants to give you a hope and a future where you're not tied down by this stuff, where you don't keep making mistakes, where you don't keep getting stuff wrong, but instead where you step into a future where God says... I love you. I'm proud of you. He will say that whether you get stuff right or not. But ultimately, you are his. And people who look at your life see that you are his as well. If you're not a follower of Jesus here this morning, I would really suggest about thinking about that as a possible life choice. <laughs> it's the best. And all of this stuff, I can freely stand up here and say, do you know what? I get all this stuff wrong. 
And I can do that because I know that this is not who I am. God sees me as so much more than that. Um, the interesting thing, I think, about Rahab is that um, she chooses her identity. She gets to a point, you see, all of her life, her, her identity kind of has been chosen for her to an extent. She decided to embark upon the trade that she chose. But after that, people spoke that over her. People will have known that about her. That was her story. That was her story. That was her story. And then she has this moment, this moment with those guards, where she has to decide which side of the wall she is going to live on. Is she going to stay here and live in Jericho and um, give up the spies and go along with what has always been? Or is she going to choose a new hope and a new future? Which side of the wall does she choose? And do you know what the thing I love about this is? That when she makes her choice, when she decides to go along with the Israelites, and that is what happens, she goes and lives with them. She is actually um, one of the first Gentiles, um, people who aren't Jewish, to uh, come into a relationship with God and live in that community. When she makes that choice, the things she left behind turns to rubble. There's not even an option for her to go back there anymore. It's gone. The old has gone. And she chooses to live on this side of the wall where there is a hope and there is a future. And that doesn't mean that maybe the stuff that she has did get wrong in the past won't come up again. She'll probably still have the thoughts and the memories and the experiences in her brain of all the things that she chose that she shouldn't have. But she chooses her side of the wall and she chooses to live there. There's stuff I get wrong all the time, all the time. But I know that that is not where I'm living that's where I was. And so we need to decide what choice we're going to make on that. Um, the other thing that I believe is really important uh, in all of this is who we decide to live with. So Rahab makes this choice of living on the other side of the wall, and she goes and lives in a new community. I think the community that we keep is so vital. Um, as we um, get to know God, as we spend time with God, getting to know him, experiencing him, letting him change us, this stuff becomes so much less attractive. This stuff doesn't even get our attention anymore. You're like, why would, I, what, why would I bother with this when I have this? This stuff is just so much less appealing. So it's not in our own work that we begin to change. As we get to know God, stuff begins to change in us. But also... In terms of who we keep around us, I think, really determines which side of the wall we manage to stay living on. Um, many people who know me know that I have plenty of embarrassing experiences. Um, I humiliate myself regularly, and I'm used to it now. I have a thick skin, very little embarrasses me, and I just deal with it. I roll with it. I roll with the punches. And then I get to stand up here and tell people who don't know me as well all the things that I got wrong and all the silly things I did, and you get to benefit from it. So it's a win-win in a way. Um, my last genuinely most embarrassing experience happened about a year ago. Uh, I've actually not really shared it from stage very much at all. This might even be like the first talk that I've, I've shared this in. Um, but this time last year... It was a hot summer's day, and uh, I decided, this is a dress day. This is a summer dress day. So I put my summer dress on, I put my jacket on, I went to work. And uh, I got into work early that day. So I walked in, and uh, there were only two people in the office, two guys, um, one of whom is one of the directors at YFC, and another guy who's a senior manager. And they were probably sitting about 10 metres away from me. And because it was a hot day, they'd open the doors, they'd open the windows, it was very warm. Uh, so I walked around to my desk, like this just in case you couldn't imagine that happening. And um, I took off my jacket, I put it on my chair, and I turned around to greet my colleagues. Now, as I did this, a gust of wind came through the office. 
And I felt a lot more windy than I should have in that situation. And I felt wind around here. Now, certain dresses have certain zips in them. There's one type of zip, which is called an invisible zip. And the funny thing about invisible zips is sometimes you forget to do them up. And um, the zip goes from under your armpit to just beneath your hip. And what had happened is a gust of wind came through the office, not only lifted my dress up, but opened my dress. So I was pretty much stood there in my underwear in front of these two men. And I could feel what was happening. And in my mind, I flashed back to my bedroom and didn't remember doing my zip up. And I just looked at them, and one of them just turned to me and went, yes. (laughs) And I went so red. I don't know why. I span around, which is clearly the helpful thing to do in that situation, opening your dress out more, and ran to the toilet. I was so embarrassed. But what I would say is there are certain people in that office that I wouldn't have minded that happening in front of. There are certain nice ladies in the office that would have gone, oh, it's okay, Laura, don't worry. We won't tell anyone. Let's get you sorted out. These weren't them. (laughs) By mid-morning, everyone knew exactly what had happened, and for the next two months, I was called Zippy. (laughs) So, there are certain things in our lives where you just think, why did it have to happen in front of that person? They don't deal with your weak moments well. But you know, we really need to watch that, because if we have our little Miss Naughty moments around certain types of people, they will not help us in those moments. They'll push us towards the thing that we know that we shouldn't be doing. They'll encourage the anger, encourage the unforgiveness, encourage the pride. But it's your right. Why should you forgive them? You deserve to give them a piece of your mind after they did that to you. There's certain people we place around us that just will not be helpful. There are certain people around us that will only see our past when what we need is people who are around us that will speak into our future. Rahab made a decision that day. She decided that the people she was living amongst and with only saw her past, only saw her flaws, only saw her faults. And so she made a decision to live on the other side of the wall. She literally moved communities and went and lived somewhere. I'm not saying move, don't move. Lived somewhere else and said, do you know what? I'm going to live amongst these people. They know God and they know my future. So we have to choose who we decide to live with. Um, There's a quote in a book which I've read recently, I'm reading recently, and I I love it. It says, either we are shaped by the relationships that choose us, or we choose our relationships based on the person we intend to become. Either we are shaped by the relationships that choose us, or we choose our relationships on the basis of the person that we want to become. We need to work out whether we want to live in our past or our future, which side of the wall we're sticking with. When we were praying before the first service, Leon said something really interesting in one of his prayers. He pointed out that Rahab's future really began the moment that the walls outside of Jericho fell. You see, what happened in this story is that the Israelites didn't just go in with, I don't know, hand grenades and stuff. They went into the city, they went around, and they just marched around the city. They went around and around and around and around until the defensive walls fell. And it was when the defensive walls fell that Rahab's future could really start. You see, I think we're scared of this stuff. I think we want to justify it, defend it, keep it to ourselves. But it's only when we take those walls down and we really let God get his hands messy that our futures can start. So Rahab's future. Rahab's future was actually really interesting. Um, 
If we look in the book of Matthew, we can see um, they have this thing which is called a genealogy, which is basically a list of names, um, which is often the bit of the Bible that you will skip reading because it looks boring. Uh, But actually in this bit, it's really interesting because in verse 5, it says that Rahab marries a guy called Salmon. And um, they have a child who has a child who has a child. And Rahab, little Miss Naughty, whose past was messy, becomes the great-great-grandmother of a king. She is royalty. In stepping into her future, she steps into something more, and she steps into royalty. And if we continue that genealogy down, we find Jesus. Not only is she royalty in terms of human eyes, but she is human royalty, and car- um, spiritual royalty, sorry, and carries all the authority that that has with it. Um, Not many people know this. Uh, I absolutely love the program Time Team. I love Time Team. And if it's on at home, I'll watch it or record it if I see it's on. Uh, I love love the history and I love the jumpers. And those two things together are the best thing. Um, I I love British history. I I find it really interesting. One of the things I love doing is reading about British monarchs. um, Because they were funnier back then. Um, I feel like today, if the Queen made a really bad or rash decision, someone would just go, look... I don't think that's a good idea. Have a cup of tea, have a biscuit, it'll all be fine. But back then, they weren't being told. Um, There was this one monarch who um, decided to cancel Christmas and ban mince pies for a year, and it just had to happen. Um, There was another monarch who didn't like a particular fashion to do with ruffs around the neck, the double ruff, I think it was, uh, and so he banned them. And anyone found wearing that particular fashion would die. Uh, There are a few fashions that I think maybe that should have been brought back in with, but we won't go into that now. Um, Queen Elizabeth I, she's one of my favourites, she's an interesting one, Uh, she actually decided that she was going to tell people what they could and couldn't wear. So certain people could wear certain things and certain colours, so you're allowed to wear purple, you're allowed to wear yellow, and you, my friend, will wear a chicken suit. She just decided what they were going to wear, and that's just how it was. She had authority over those people, and just what she said went. That's what authority is. What you say goes. Rahab, this person who was so messed up, made a decision, made a choice, and she stepped into something new. And what she stepped into was royalty, spiritual authority. And Jesus says, if you follow me, I will live inside of you, and that will be your inheritance too. You will have spiritual authority. You will be a part of this royal bloodline because I will live in you. There's a a quote that I'm loving at the moment and will say at any opportunity. And it's this. It says, when you know who you are and you know what you carry, nowhere is off limits and nothing is impossible. When you know who you are and you know what you carry, nowhere is off limits and nothing is impossible. And that means moving away from this stuff, but it also means stepping into something incredible. We are free, completely free, free from all of this. We may make some mistakes sometimes, but we're free from it. And so why would we return to this when we could choose this? It's just completely unappealing. Um, In a second, I'm going to give a chance for anybody here this morning who maybe hasn't said they would like to follow Jesus to do that. I think for some people, maybe this stuff is all that you feel that you have. This mess, just mistake after mistake, and you're not sure where your identity sits in that. And if this morning you maybe have been thinking about following Jesus for a while, 
something that you've been considering and you've never maybe put that mark down and said, yes, I choose this. I choose this side of the wall. Then in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to maybe step into that if that's something you're interested in. The other thing I'm going to do in a moment after we've done that is um, I'm going to ask God to speak to us. We're just, it's going to be weird. We're just going to stand up in a minute. Don't do it yet. Too keen. Uh, And we're going to say to God, God, can you just bring into our minds any stuff that is in our lives that looks like this? Any stuff that maybe we wouldn't think of normally that you want to get our awareness on and get our attention around so that we can begin to do something about it. And we're just going to see what God says. So could I ask everybody to stand up if you're able? That would be great. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. And none of that sneaky peeking that I know goes on. Actually close your eyes. Uh, And I'm just going to give an opportunity for anybody who hasn't yet said a definite yes to Jesus to do that. Because I think sometimes, like with Rahab, it's important to have those definite moments where we make a choice. Where we draw a line in the sand and say, this is the future I choose. So if everyone could close your eyes. If you have never made that decision for definite and said, this is where I will live. This is the side of the wall that I choose. And this morning you want to choose to follow Jesus while no one at all is looking other than me. Could I just ask you to raise your hand in the air and be really brave? That's fantastic. Great. Thank you so much. You can pop your hands down. That's wonderful. Everyone keep your eyes closed. I'm just going to pray for those guys. God, I thank you that you are the God of new starts. I thank you that when we say yes to Jesus, we say no to all this stuff. And in your eyes, God, this stuff is all gone. God, you want to heal the words that have been spoken over us. You want to change our experience. So God, we're sorry for where we've got it wrong. But Jesus, we choose your side of the wall. Amen. Now, if you did put your hand up during that, um, stay where you are for now. Um, But it would be great if at the end you fancied it to go and speak to someone in the back corner where it says, welcome on the wall. Um, And just let them know that you've made that decision. They may have something to give you as well. Um, So that would be really great. What I'd like to do first before that happens is I would like us to just listen to God. Like I said, it's not anything weird. We're just going to close our eyes and stand there and try and clear our minds. And I'm going to pray and just say to God to maybe drop into our mind any stuff that we know or that he knows that is unhelpful that we do. So if you could keep your eyes closed, that would be brilliant. God, We want to be more like you and less like us. So God, if there's any stuff going on in us that you just want to nudge or highlight or pick out, God, we give you free reign. God, if there's any stuff in our lives that that is holding us back from you, that is the stuff that's living, stopping us living as free, God, we're just going to wait and listen and see if you put anything into our minds.
wonder if, um, keep your eyes closed, but I wonder if there are some people this morning who know they do stuff that isn't great, but for you that comes out of a place of real hurt and pain. And God wants to say to you, I want to deal with the hurt and pain as well as the stuff we get wrong. I also wonder whether there's some people here who have got stuff going on that they've never told anyone about. Stuff that they don't even want to speak out loud. But I feel like God wants you to know that he sees it and he's always seen it. And he loves you exactly the same. We're going to have a prayer team that are going to be in the room, in the Hagley room through the doors on your right. And if there's anything you want to pray about this morning, that is either anything that has come up in your mind now, maybe something that I've said, or just anything that you fancy prayer on, then there's going to be a prayer team waiting for you through there. So between now and the end of the service, it would be great if you will go through and pray with someone. It's really good to get other people alongside you on this stuff. And if you put your hands up uh, in your response to follow Jesus, again, I'd really encourage you to go and see someone at the back um, before the end of the service. We're just going to sing.